0: May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Adam Jungblut. Good morning. Man, I'm glad y'all are here this morning. My name's Adam Jungblut. I'm the membership and ministry pastor here at the park, and I'm glad you're here. We're in our second week of our series, Illustrated, and in this series, we are looking at how Jesus would tell stories called parables that had a a meaning to them, and how he would use these stories, and, and he would illustrate difficult teachings and difficult characteristics about God to understand, and all of a sudden, through these stories, people would be able to get it. That his teaching was for everybody, not just for the highly educated, not just for those that have the entire Old Testament memorized and know everything about it, but that it was for everybody. And so we're looking at how Jesus really revolutionized his teaching style on top of everything else amazing that he did. Well, I got a story for you. When Robin and I were first married, uh, Robin's car was a Toyota Solara. It was like a, the sport version of the Toyota Camry. It was a two-door, little sporty thing. It's a blast to drive. I mean, so much fun, zipping in and out of traffic, a lot of go to it. I just read about that. I never really experienced how fast it would go. It just said it. So, yeah. No, yeah. But it, it was a really cool car, and it was great because it was just the two of us, and all we needed out of a car was to get Robin and I from A to B. Perfect. Well, then William was born. So William's born, and uh, all of a sudden, we now have a child that we have to put in the back seat. Well, the passenger in the front seats didn't fold forward very far, and the back seat was really small to begin with. And so to get William's baby carrier back there, it wasn't like we could just take the baby carrier, stick it in the car, and latch it in. We had to do kind of like this maneuvering deal with our newborn who's strapped in where it's like we pick up the carrier and we kind of tilt it on its side and we wrap him like around the headrest of the deal, do like a 180 and then clip him in. I'm sure William was just like, what what family have I been born into? Like what is this? I'm sure people that like watching Robin and I take our like newborn, flip them upside down and then like scoot them across the deal. are like, yeah, they're not going to make it. Uh Uh-uh. Well, this is going to be the end for him right here. Really fast, the Toyota Solara went from being a perfect car for us to all of a sudden it just wasn't meeting its purpose. Getting a family from A to B was great for Robin and I, but it didn't work when William showed up. Well, today we're going to be looking at a story about a fig tree that Jesus tells. And whenever you see a fig tree in Scripture, most of the time the fig tree is referencing the nation of Israel. So let's talk about the nation of Israel real quick. They had a purpose. Just like Artaudah Solara had a purpose, Israel had a purpose. And Israel's purpose was to display God's greatness to the world. Very early on in the Bible, God says, hey, Israel, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. Here's how it's going to go. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to take care of you. And for that, through your life, the entire world is going to see how great of a God I am. Israel, you will be my vehicle To letting everybody else know the type of God that I am. Well, it's a great plan. But when we read the Bible, we see that God kept his end of the bargain. But Israel didn't. Israel continued to let God down in upholding their end of this relationship. Their purpose of displaying God's greatness to the world, well, they just weren't doing it. They had drifted so far to the point that when Jesus, their God's one and only son, shows up on the scene... They're like, are, are, you, are you the son of God? Like, we don't really know you. Like, we don't know, like, is that, is that you? Are you just a great teacher who does cool things? I mean, they, they, they didn't even recognize him. One day, Jesus is walking around, this crowd of people around him. And they come up to him, and they've got some difficult questions. You see, in that time, there were two kind of incidents, tragedies that had happened in their day. One of the first things that happened was, a group of Galileans had traveled to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices at the temple. And Pontius Pilate had them killed. We don't really know why, but we know that they went to offer sacrifices and they were murdered. At the same time, there was another tragedy in their society. There was a tower in Siloam that fell and killed 18 Jews. And these people come up to Jesus. And they say, hey, Jesus, Like these horrible tragedies are happening in our, in our world were they killed because they were more sinful than we were? Is that that why they died? Were they punished for their sin because they had a lot more of it than we did and we're not being punished because we have less sin? It'd be like us saying, hey God, the three people that died in the Boston Marathon bombing, were they more sinful than we are? Is that why they were killed? It's a ridiculous question. But yet... Israel had drifted so far from their purpose, that's what they were focused on. So Jesus tells them a story about a fig tree. Now, in Israel and in that area, fig trees are like what pecan trees are to here, what cedar trees are to the hill country. They're everywhere. And so we don't know it exactly, but I can pretty close guarantee that within at least sight and seeing distance, There was a fig tree. So Jesus says, hey, let me illustrate you the answer to this by a fig tree. Now look, the story's right there in your sermon notes. You can find it in Luke 13, 6 through 9. It's a really short story. But just listen to me. Just listen to me. Jesus says, there was a man who went out to his vineyard because he had a fig tree. He went out to inspect the fig tree to see if there was fruit on it. And he walks out and he looks at the fig tree. He doesn't see any fruit. So he's, he turns to the man who's taking care of his vineyard and he says, for three years I've been coming out to look at this fig tree and it's never produced fruit. Cut it down. Get rid of it. Why should it be even using up the soil? Well, the man who's managing the vineyard says, oh, hold, hold up. Give it one more year. One more year. I'll dig around it, make sure it's got the best soil. I'll fertilize it. And then next year, if it still hasn't produced fruit, then we'll cut it down. Jesus tells this story. And I'm sure they're sitting there and they're thinking, how how does this story answer the question that we just asked? What, what, What does this have to do with it? Look, when he's talking about the fig tree, Jesus is directly talking about the nation of Israel. Look, if you walked up to this, would you know off the top of your head that it's a fig tree? Probably not. If you saw a bunch of figs hanging off of it, you'd probably guess that it's a fig tree. Like, if you were to walk up on a tree, would you be able to tell what an apple tree is? Well, only if you looked at its fruit. If you saw a bunch of apples hanging off of it, you'd pretty much say, hey, That's an apple tree. But if there weren't any apples on it, would you know? Would you be able to tell? Are you the kind of person that just driving around is able to point at every tree in our community and tell us exactly what kind of tree that is? Would you be able to pick an orange tree out? Or a pear tree? Or any kind of other tree? No. You look at it because of its fruit. Jesus is saying, listen Israel, you've missed it. You've totally missed it. Look, people are supposed to look at you and know about me because of your fruit. You don't have any. You don't have any fruit. You're busy worrying about things that that's not your purpose. Your purpose is to have a relationship with me so that the whole world will know how great of a God I am. But you're worried about other things. What I'm worried about is fruit. Look, this parable has got major implications in our life as well. Major implications. It's, it's, it's hard to take this story and correlate it sometimes from the nation of Israel into here in the greater West Houston area to our lives. But there's two major takeaways from this story. There's two major takeaways that we have that are gonna greatly influence Our daily life. So look, let's take a look at these things. Let's take a look at this and let's see how we can take this story where Jesus is talking about the nation of Israel and their life and we can look at our life and our purpose and how it changes us. So look, everybody get your sermon notes out if you haven't already. And what can I take away from the parable of the fig tree? Here's the first one. You can take inventory of the spiritual fruit in my life. All of us in here in response to the parable of the fig tree We've got to take inventory of the spiritual fruit in my life. Look at what it says. When we look at the story in Luke 13, 6, it says, Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. Circle, look for fruit for me. All right, why did the guy go out there? With one purpose. He went to look for fruit. I mean that's the purpose of having a vineyard. That's the purpose of planting these trees to look for fruit, to produce fruit. So what what is what is spiritual fruit? We're talking about fruit a lot. Uh, look what spiritual fruit is for us. It's evidence of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's evidence of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, what is the proof that we have a fig tree? Figs. What is the proof or evidence That we have an apple tree? Apples. The fruit is the evidence. So when we look at our life, when we look at our life, and when we're able to say, look, here's what it boils down to. Am I a Christ follower? Well, you look at your fruit. You look at the evidence in your life that proves that you have a relationship with God. What is the evidence in your life? Well, it could be lots of things. Here's a quick example for you. The evidence that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, let's say you're in a small group, and your small group is studying finances. Well, the evidence is that you paid off about $2,000 worth of debt while you were in that small group. That's the evidence. The evidence that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ is where you serve. The evidence is, hey, show me your relationship with Christ. Hey, you know what? I serve on Sundays at my church in the kids' ministry, in the youth ministry. I help serve coffee and donuts. I greet people. I pass out worship guides. Whatever it may be, that's the proof. Well, where else is there proof in your life? Hey, you know what the proof is in my life? I've been memorying a verse from the sermon every single week. I follow through on my next steps. You want the proof that I have a relationship with Christ? Look, this is the verse that I memorized this week. Where's the proof? Where's the evidence? Hey, here's what I read in my Bible, and here's how I applied it to my life. I read about how I should have wholesome speech, and you know what? I'm far more encouraging now. The the, the proof is in your family. The proof is in your relationships with your spouse. One of the major areas that I have fruit in my life with my kids. People say, hey, Adam, show me proof that you follow Christ. Well, one of the first places I'll point to are my children. Avery, who's six. Avery, uh, recite some of the Bible verses that you memorized that we work over and we practice. Hey, William, tell everybody about how you're reading through the book of Proverbs right now and what you're learning. That's the proof. So look, what we need to do is we need to take inventory of the spiritual fruit in our lives. You see, here's where the nation of Israel got lost. They were taking inventory. The people that came up to Jesus, they were taking inventory. But what were they taking inventory of? They were taking inventory of sin, of the sin in their life, and of the sin in the lives of the people that were killed by the tower in Siloam, and by the people that were murdered by Pontius Pilate in Jerusalem. That's what they were taking inventory of. And they were taking inventory and they were saying, Well, when I take inventory of the sin in my life and I take inventory of the sin in their life, they have more sin than I do. I must be doing a good job. Wrong thing to take inventory of. Israel, you missed it. You missed it, Israel. I don't want you to take an inventory of sin because when we take inventory of sin, guess what we all have? Sin. You're sinful. I'm sinful. Do we really want to hash out who has more? No. No, we don't. Let's get together, write on a piece of paper all the sins that you have, I'll write down all the ones that I have, and then let's share. Who wants? No. Israel, they completely lost it. Jesus is saying, look, I want you to take inventory, just not of your sin. I want you to take inventory of the proof in your life that I am your God and you are my people. Look, when we read the story of the fig tree, what we need to learn is that we need to take inventory of the spiritual fruit in our life. We need to look at everything we're involved in and find out where are the good works for Christ and his kingdom? What is being produced by my relationship? With him. And then after we look at what's being produced, we're able to say, hey, is this, am I satisfied? All of these good works, the people that I've invited to church, the small group that I'm involved in, the places that I've served, the people that I've taken care of, the amount of chapters of the Bible that I've read, verses that I've memorized, the amount of prayer time that I have, am I satisfied? And then if the answer is, no, you know what? I'd like to have more spiritual fruit in my life, then you increase your Bible. Then you increase your prayer. Then you increase the verses that you've memorized. Then you increase your giving. But look, we don't check the health of our relationship with Christ over the amount of Bible we read, over the amount of prayer, over what we give. It's not, no. We measure the health of a relationship based on our fruit. Look, this fig tree, it looks healthy. It's green, it's not producing any figs. There's not a single fig on it. Is it a healthy tree? No! It's not producing any figs. So, we have to take inventory of the spiritual fruit in our life. You need to take an inventory of the spiritual fruit in your life this week. But look, there's another aspect of the story. There's another aspect of the story right there in the end of how it kind of turns a little bit. I want us to take a look at it. And here's the second thing that we pull out. It's during seasons of drought. Praise God for his grace. During seasons of drought, praise God for his grace. Go to says in Luke 13, eight through nine, sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. Circle one more year for me. For one more year. And I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. All right, think about this. How many years, how many years had the guy been going out and checking on this fig tree to see if it produced fruit? Three. He'd been going out for three years, not a single fig on the tree. Year one, no figs, that's okay. Year two, no figs, ah, that's okay. Year three, no figs. I mean, this is getting a long time. He winds up giving this fig tree four years. Now, think about it. This is how this man provides for his family. Through producing a fruit in his vineyard. If he has a tree in his vineyard that's not producing, that means a lot to him. Talk about being gracious. Look, Jesus is saying to the nation of Israel, hey guys, look how great God is. He is holding his side of the bargain of I will be your God and you will be my people. Even when you're not producing fruit, I still love you. I'm not going to go in. I'm not going to rip you out. I'm not going to say, Israel, you're out. I'm getting another nation. So there's a chance that today and this week, when you begin to look at your life, and you begin to say, what am I doing for the kingdom of God? You might be a little disappointed. God's answer to you is, hey, look, you got time. I'm not going to rip you up. I'm not going to burn you, I'm not going to throw you out with the trash, I will give you more time because there's going to be seasons in your life where there's a drought. My junior year of TCU, I was in a uh, Christian fraternity at TCU, Brothers Under Christ. It was a fraternity that I was in. Uh, if you're familiar with the fraternity and sorority world, there's always like a chair, like a board of leaders in the fraternity or the sorority, and they have certain roles. Well, we had in our fraternity uh, a role that was elected on every single year. It was called the new member captain. And this person's job, this upperclassman's job, was to take the next group of freshmen pledges to, and to teach them, hey, this is how our fraternity operates. Well, since we were a Christian fraternity, we also, we also had a, a whole other element. That wasn't just, hey, this is how our fraternity operates. Hey, this is how we operate as men following after Christ here at TCU. You see, we want to be different. We want to show the entire university of how you're supposed to follow Jesus Christ as a Christ follower. And so we, we have this huge program. It's about a six to seven month program that we ran the freshmen through in our fraternity. I went through it when I was a freshman. But the new captain, chair, was the main guy. He was in charge of making sure this group of freshmen followed Christ in college. Well, my junior year, heading into my senior year, I thought, man, out of all of the roles in our fraternity, I'd like that one the most. So I ran for it, and I got it. I was super excited. I was going to be able to take this group of freshmen and teach them how to follow Christ in college. Look, before I... Ever got to that point, before the freshman ever even showed, the end of the spring, my junior year, I went out with a bunch of friends one night, and I had too much to drink. I was 21, wasn't illegal, but I drank too much. And I wound up basically defiling everything that I wanted to stand for. And so you know what happened? I was removed from my position. Before the freshman ever even showed up, I was removed as the new captain chair. Because I had too much to drink. And I showed everybody that I was around that, you know what, I'm not capable. I'm not capable of doing this. Of showing college kids, freshmen, how to follow Christ. Because you know what, I, I didn't even know myself. That was one of the seasons of my life. When I looked around, took inventory of the spiritual fruit, it wasn't a lot. Praise God. Praise God. He said, hey, Adam, I'm going to give you another year. I'm going to give you more time. It was a chance for me to stop, look at my life, take inventory, and then praise God for his grace. Because if I look at my life since then, I can see a lot of spiritual fruit. I can see a lot of spiritual fruit from just the decisions that I've made, the places that I've worked, the churches I've been a part of, places that I serve, the ministries that I've been with. Here at the park, the small groups that I've led. I'm able to look at my kids now. I'm able to praise God for his grace. Look at what it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting everyone to come to repentance. Look, it's not that God is slow as we understand being slow. No, he's patient because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want to say, hey, fig tree out, new fig tree in. He doesn't want to say, Israel out, new nation in. He doesn't want to say, Adam, I'm done with you. I'm so glad he does. I'm so glad he does it, that he is patient. So look, listen to me. God loves you, and he is patient with you. He understands that that his desire is for you to produce fruit. And just because you go through a season in your life where there might not be a ton of fruit, it doesn't mean you're out. It means, hey, stop take inventory, and then make changes. Look, does a farmer ever measure the health of a crop based on the amount of water he used for irrigation? No. He looks at his harvest, how successful it was, and then he looks at how much water he used and says, hey, if I want to produce more fruit, bigger, better fruit, well, then doesn't matter how much water I used, I need to use more. When you look at your life, this week, And you're able to say, you know what, I'd like to see a little bit more spiritual fruit in my kids. I don't care how much Bible you've been reading, you need to increase it. If you look at your finances this week, and you begin to look at places that you're giving, and your generosity, and you're saying, you know what, I'd like to be more generous with my money. doesn't matter how much you've been giving, you need to increase it. If you sit down and you say, you know what, I'm going to recite all of the Bible verses that I have memorized and you stop well short of what you would like to be doesn't matter how you're memorizing it you need to increase it but look god is gracious with you he doesn't want anybody to perish but he wants all of us to know him so I ask you a question do you know him do you know jesus christ as your lord and savior or have you been focusing on everything else in this world have you been focusing and taking inventory on everything except your relationship with him look if there's never come a time in your life where you've accepted christ into your life i'd love for that day to be right now right now there's a prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes pray that prayer you can pray it right now i can pray it in a couple seconds at the end of the message you can pray it when pat and the worship team come up look if there's never come a time in your life where you've said yes i am sinful doesn't matter how many sins I'm sinful. Jesus Christ, please take care of all my mistakes. Wipe me clean so that I can have a relationship with you. And then pledge your life to follow him as best you can from this day forward. Look, God is patient with you. He doesn't want anybody to perish, He wants there to be fruit. So look, this week, let's take stock, let's take inventory. And as a church, as a group of people, let's pledge to do whatever it takes to follow him more fully so that we can produce good works and great works for his kingdom. Like I want everyone right now to pull out your connection card. Flip it over on the back. I want you to take a step or next step based on the message today. Maybe if you refuse this first one, become a Christ follower for the very first time in my life today. There's never been a time in your life where you've committed to follow Christ, to make him the Lord and Savior of your life. Make it today. Pray that prayer at the bottom and check that box right there. Hey, everybody, be sure that your name, email address, and address are on the front because there's some stuff I want to send you. So if you check that box right there at the beginning, be sure the front of your card's filled out. Hey, here's another one. Apply what I'm learning in my small group. Look, this is the spiritual fruit. What you've learned is not fruit what you apply to your life, and then what that produces, that's fruit. So whatever it is that you're learning about in your small group, put it into practice. Put it into practice and let that grow great works in your life. Here's another one. Commit to put myself in positions to produce fruit by. So look, whatever, if you need to produce fruit, look, maybe you need to put yourself in a position to read more of the Bible. Maybe you need to put yourself in a position to begin to listen to praise and worship music and not some of the music that you've been listening to. Maybe you need to put yourself in a position to serve. So maybe you say, hey, look, check that box, and then whatever you need to do to produce more fruit, write it down. If you need to become more consistent in your church attendance, write it down. But put yourself in a position to produce fruit. Here's another one. Memorize 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What a great verse to memorize. How about you? How about this next one? Attend the FX concert this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. with my kids or grandkids. Look, you want to see fruit produced in your family and in your kids? Look, we have our second FX concert this coming Wednesday. An FX concert is a family experience concert. It's a concert where your whole family comes together for literally a concert, and together, You learn how to follow Christ as a family. You want to start seeing spiritual fruit produced in your family? Make a commitment to come to the FX concert this Wednesday. If you missed the first one, shame on you, it was awesome. I mean, this place has never been louder, jumping up and down with moms and dads having a blast. You've got to come to it. All right? Look, we've got a quick little video that I want to show you just to kind of get you pumped up about the FX concert. Let's go ahead and roll that video.
1: I think we all need a pep talk. Thor needs your family stop being born. Yeah, you. Born is easy. Any family can be born, But Jesus is gooder than that. Life isn't a game, people. Life isn't cereal either. Well, it is cereal. And if life is a game, aren't we all on the same team? I mean, really, right? There's no kids versus parents. We're all on Jesus' team. life, people. God put a soul in those bones. got a heartbeat. That means it's time to do something. A verse. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. That's hard, man. Real hard. All nations, everybody that's a big world out there but our families are really are supposed to do this and I want to be in a family that follows Jesus our families can't quit what if Michael Jordan had quit well he did not quit no way he retired yeah he retired but before that in high school what if he had quit when he didn't make the team he would have never made Space Jam and Miss Jenny loves Space Jam what will be your family's spaceship? And what will your family do to show the world that Jesus is awesome? Nothing if you keep sitting there. That's where I'm talking to you today. This is your time. This is my time. This is God's time. We can make every day better for each other. From all on his team, let's start acting like it. We got work to do. We can either cry about it or we can pray about it. Your family was made to be awesome. So let's get out there. I don't know anything, I'm just a kid, but I do know this, it's every family's duty to give the world a reason to follow him. So get to it, you've just been pep-taught, do something to show the world that Jesus is awesome.
0: Yeah, pretty cool. Alright, so this Wednesday, 6.30, be here with your family. Your family was made to be awesome. So... We'll see you there. All right, last one. Follow through on my next steps as evidence of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you one of those people that checks these, leaves church feeling all good because you checked a bunch of boxes, and then during the week you don't do them? No, you would never be that kind of person. Look, if you check this, follow through as evidence of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me close this in prayer as Pat and the worship team come back up. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you are doing Lord, in our lives, Lord, I thank you so much for the story of a fig tree, God, and of its fruit, Lord, and so I pray, God, that we would be able to take this story and we would apply it to our lives, God, that we would be able to take inventory of the spiritual fruit that we have, the things that are being produced in our life due to our relationship with you, and God, I pray that we're we're not satisfied, God, that we're not satisfied, God, about how our lives are displaying you as a great God, God, and that we would desire God to follow you more fully. God, that we would increase the amount of time that we're reading our Bible in prayer, memorizing scripture, coming to church, serving God, and that through all of that, God, that we would be able to show the world how great if a got you. So Lord, we love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or Facebook.com slash Parkway Fellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the
1: most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.